1: Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit Betfredsports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred Bets and up to 200 Fred Bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. You're listening to the College Football Coast-to-Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to College Football Coast-to-Coast. Coast. Jacob and Tyler here. Uh, we throw something new at you guys, a little new intro that we uh, we drummed up here for a new episode, new week. Uh, a great week of college football that we'll get into for our week nine. Uh, and we're going to preview a little bit of week eight. So uh, opening with our week eight preview uh for our ACC, uh we'll jump right into our first matchup. And that first one being Syracuse going on to the uh baby brother Death Valley to face off against the Clemson Tigers. Uh a really good game. Number 14 Syracuse at number five Clemson. Uh really good first half game. Uh Tyler this is a great great football game at half. Syracuse taking a I believe it was a 21 to 10 lead in the halftime. Uh and ultimately not being able to hold on uh, with an injured Garrett Schrader trying to make it through. Uh, what do you think it was the success, you know, in the first half for for Syracuse? And how did Clemson seem to exploit that in the second half and take advantage?
0: Yeah, I mean, in the first half from versus the second half, it was a completely different story. I mean, Syracuse dominated that game from, you know, from start to the game all the way into half. And then Clemson's uh, defense was able to make some adjustments and then, The quarterback change was a different part that I'll get to in a little bit. But Syracuse was able to run the ball effectively in the first half. And then, you know, they just abandoned it from the second half. I feel like they were passing it more than they should have. They should have just thrown their bell cow and and running back. And like you mentioned, Garrett Schrader uh, was a little bit banged up. Uh, I mean, he didn't play his best game. Uh, You could already tell that he wasn't 100% in this one, especially in the second half. Uh, But I think that Syracuse's defense uh, stepped up. In the first half, I mean, Clemson was, was on the doorstep of putting the game away early, and then Syracuse got a scooping score uh, to put them up 14-3. to And so, you know, a lot of people were thinking that, that this was going to be, you know, the possible upset bit of Syracuse, you know, beating Clemson. They pretty much controlled the entirety. They led all the way until four quarters, and then Will Shipley uh, went out for a 50-yard touchdown run. And like I mentioned, DJ Ungale uh, was benched in this game. They went to the backup in Club Uh, I think that he played okay. I think, you know, he didn't have to do too much. He just handed off to Will Shipley uh, most of the time. But I figured that Clemson was just going to pull this one out. They always do. Ended up storming the field, which I know that a lot of people don't like. Uh, they say that it's tradition. Uh, but I know it's tradition, but it's is- Really sad when you're a 14 point favorite and you beat this team by only six, and you celebrate that by storming the field. I know that y'all mentioned that in Sports Scramble. I just wanted to get my thoughts. I think it's stupid, uh, but good win for Clemson. I think uh, looking at the rest of their schedule, I don't really see a loss. So I think that this team, if they just handle their business, they'll be in the playoff. And but. I think uh, there's still a lot of concerns with Clemson, even in the win. I think I'm just looking like, what if they had to face like an Ohio State or a Tennessee, and which is a completely different offense than what they went through? I think uh, that they, they're just going to get blown out if they get to the playoff.
1: Yeah. And I think the one thing to note, you know, coming up on Clemson's schedule, you still have a date with Notre Dame on the schedule uh, this year. So, I mean, uh, that, that still is. Uh, Going to be a good game, I think. You know, Syracuse and Notre Dame are somewhat close on the same level. I would say to Syracuse, uh, all around, probably a better team. I think the difference in this game from the first half to the second half was the trenches up front. Um, I think Syracuse' offensive and defensive line in the first half controlled this game completely. Uh, they basically ran the show for the entire game uh, up up until halftime. And you know, in the second half, Clemson's figured it out. I mean, it's all about gaps, you know, in the trenches there, and it's just hitting the right holes and the right gaps. And, and Syracuse didn't have much uh, help in the running game in the second half. Uh, just seemed completely different football game in the second half. And that's Clemson as a second half football team. Most of the time they're not playing anybody that we get to see them be a second half football team. But it was good on Syracuse to to take a lead in the halftime, and and I think that does grow their program. They only fell a couple of spots. We'll get to them later on in the show. But moving away from the ACC and into the Big Twelve, it was a big time matchup here with number seventeen K Kansas State uh, headed to Fort Worth to take on the number eight TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, Heck of a game first half. I mean, twenty eight to ten at half. Syracuse, or I'm sorry. TCU is down. I mean, same story here. I mean, in the big 12, uh, 28 to 10 TCU is down at halftime. um, And Max Duggins kind of figures it out in the second half. And here comes TCU. I mean, and they put up 28 unanswered on, on K-State in the second half. I mean, it was just a matter of TCU settling in. We've kind of seen this slow start from them through the start of the season and up through this halfway point and now into the second half. But is this something that TCU is going to be able to afford, you know, once we get to our Big 12 championships here and possibly getting a playoff bid?
0: Yeah, you can't, uh, you know, start slow like this, especially in the Big 12 championship. And you really think about it, this is TCU's fourth straight ranked opponent. I mean, they've had one of the tougher stretches uh, in all of college football. I think that they have one of the better resumes. I think that the two best resumes that you look at right now, it's Tennessee and TCU. They have four top twenty-five wins. Uh, we could probably get into to the ranking and stuff. I think that, you know, TCU being below Alabama is definitely something to be worth questioning. With like I mentioned, we'll get to that. But like you mentioned, like the Syracuse Clemson game, Kansas State dominated the first half. They went up twenty-eight to ten at one point. So, uh, TCU was able to kick a field goal, uh, and then TCU stormed back. Uh, Max Duggan. You know, it wasn't himself in the first half. Little struggles on the offensive side. Uh, Kansas State's defense uh, had a good game plan, but TCU was able to make the adjustments uh, like good teams do, and uh, Max Duggan was able to find his open receivers. I think that TCU's defense was the story in this one. They shut out Kansas State uh, in the second half. I think that that's a a group that doesn't get enough credit. Everyone wants to talk about TCU and their passing attack, but I think that TCU, you know, looking at the Big 12. I mean, you have Texas is probably – the best Big Twelve defense, and then TCU could be right behind them. So I think you know Kansas State uh, as well. You know this is their already second loss of the season. I think that the way that the Big Twelve is going, they're probably still in it because they're only now one loss in the Big Twelve. They lost the two lane and out of conference, and uh, TCU pretty much the really only game that I could see them slipping. I don't really see them slipping uh, in Morgantown. I don't think that West Virginia's defense will be able to contain them. But at Texas, I think that could be the game that uh, that TCU fans uh, could circle. But other than that, I think that this TCU team uh, definitely controls their own destiny, Could make it to the playoff for the Big 12.
1: Yeah, I mean, defensively, you, you overlook teams like TCU, absolutely. I mean, their leading tackler had 10 tackles, uh, you know, 10 total tackles. on on saturday night i mean that's unbelievable for a guy on defense to have 10 tackles uh is crazy 10 9 7 6 you know down the list that's very impressive uh most big 12 teams aren't very good tackling teams uh kind of pride themselves on offense but it's good on tcu holding a a k-state team uh to a low amount of points is is very good uh tyler i'll let you take the next one
0: all right, uh, we'll go on uh, to the next game, uh, which features uh, Jacobs, uh, Penn State, Nittany Lions. Uh, they were able to get it done in the wideout. Uh, pretty much this was the same score the Michigan game, uh, but flip side uh, for Minnesota. Tanner Morgan was out in this game uh, since he was on concussion protocol. I think the biggest thing uh, for Penn State uh, was containing Moe Ibrahim. That was pretty much Minnesota's offense. Uh, so I think that Penn State's uh, rush defense after getting gashed. I'm pretty sure that they looked at the film quite some time on Monday, especially the defensive line of how, you know, how they're going to game plan for the defensive, you know, for the offensive rushing attack. I think they did a good job. Uh, We saw a slow start for Penn state. This was three to three at, at, after the first quarter, I was like, uh, what's going on. Is this Penn state team, you know, a fluke uh, like they always do. You know, remember last year after they they lost to Iowa, it was pretty much a downward spiral. But I think that this is a different mindset. Uh, You know, James Franklin, give him all the crap that he wants to, but he gets his, uh, you know, his gentleman uh, prepared uh, for a bounce back game, and the wide out continues to be great. It was a sold out environment. You know, usually this is, you know, Ohio State or Michigan, but now this is a Minnesota team, which is in the Big Ten West, so uh, which is just wide open. I think that Illinois is the best team in that division by far, especially on offense and in defense. Uh, so, looks like Minnesota, their or their, someone must have taken their oars because they are you know, sinking, their boat is literally shink, sinking right now. Uh, but, you know, Penn State, I think that they're running back, uh, you, you know, they're a two-headed monster, you know, Singleton led the way there and Allen as well. So, you know, Clifford, uh, you know, struggled early, but he was able to get the job done. But you got to give it to this defense, especially uh, for the run defense uh, containing Abraham.
1: Yeah, I think the story of this game too, you know, with Penn State is is they took advantage of a two-tight end set, um, and really went after the whole two tight end thing all night, you know, Clifford with four touchdowns uh, being, I believe 23 for 30, yeah, 23 for 31 for 295 yards, four touchdowns uh, did throw an interception early in the game on a, on a deep ball that shouldn't have been thrown. I mean, those are little things that can't happen in big games. I and when mean, you are coming up with Ohio state next week, those little things can't happen. Uh, But a good win here. Minnesota, you know, having a freshman quarterback, yeah, it's It's very tough. That being your first start, I'm sorry for him. But, you know, it's probably good for him knowing that he has probably the top-tier experience when it comes to crowd environment already in his first college game. Uh, So the Jitters are probably out of the way already, and he probably shouldn't be affected by any other environment in college football the rest of his time as Minnesota's quarterback. Uh, But Minnesota not having Tanner Morgan did hurt a lot, you know. His, uh, his lovely uh, stepfather coaching the team, P.J. Fleck, uh, you know, seemed to control – I think that's what he wanted to do was control what happens on the field um, offensively for Minnesota. I mean, early that did happen. Uh, Penn State starting with two, three and outs. You know, just not a very good start. I mean, if you're going to play against Ohio State next week, you need a fast start. You need to get out early. And go. And I mentioned on Sports Scramble yesterday, you know, I said the last time these two teams really went at it in 2016, you know, Saquon Barkley takes the returning kickoff all the way back for a touchdown, you know, and that really sets the tone early. Uh, So I think that's what needs to happen. But a good win for Penn State gave their their second team defense and offense uh, almost the entire second half to to get some playing time and, and get some rest for next week as well. Uh, but moving away from this game and into our next conference, which is out west in the Pac-12, and that is number nine UCLA. Uh, they headed to Eugene, Oregon, in a lovely, muddy one in uh, Austin Stadium. I, I tell you, this game was very high on my list, uh, you know, three weeks ago, and I said, well, the way UCLA's playing, they could run away with a game like this. Uh, But Oregon crept their way back up slowly, being number 10, uh, number 9 and 10 matchup. You know, this game was overlooked by a lot of people. Um, And I think the one thing that is overlooked is how great Bo Nix was for Oregon. Five touchdowns in this game uh, is fantastic, uh, which is unheard of in the Pac-12. I mean, I don't think anybody's really done that. Uh, I don't even know if Marcus Mariota even did that being at Oregon. Uh, that would be something to go back and check. But uh, it's very difficult to do that, especially in the Pac-12. Uh, for UCLA, putting up 30 points on the road, there's nothing wrong with that. It's defensively uh, where the problems occurred. I, I, that's what I see most of the time. You might have a different perspective on that.
0: Yeah, I, I saw this one coming. I just, I just know that in UCLA's defense uh, wasn't great, and this one was going to be a high-scoring shootout. It was just a matter of fact of is Bo Nix you know, going to play like he did week one? or like you did the week's on. And the answer was the latter. Bo Nix had another five-touchdown performance in this one. And, you know, UCLA, you know, usually relies heavily on the running game. And they, you know, were able to get it going. Like Charbonnet had 151 yards and a touchdown. And then DTR had two touchdowns and interceptions. So it's not like UCLA's offense couldn't get it going. It's just they couldn't stop Oregon at all, especially Bo Nix. So I think that, you know, I think that Oregon is – you know, could, you know, arguably say it's the most surprising team. I think a lot of people after that Georgia game, the Georgia loss, you know, know, losing to 49 to three, which is looking like one of the best wins in all of college football right now, especially now that Oregon, you know, is is creeping up into the top 10. So that definitely adds, uh, you know, one of the better wins on Georgia's resume. But going back, uh, you know, to this game, you know, Chip Kelly, the former Oregon head coach uh, went back to Oregon and uh, Oregon and Dan Landon t- uh, taught him a lesson that, uh, you know, Oregon is still good with, with or without them. So I think that this is, was a statement victory uh, for Oregon. I think UCLA, you're going to, you know, I think that they're still a good football team. But realistically, uh, you know, there were nine and three, ten and two team uh, to begin with. I, I think that Oregon has really, you know, jumped into the tier one conversation of teams in the Pac-12, you know, maybe UCLA you know, can beat USC at the end of the season, uh, you know, to get a rematch. Uh, But I think Oregon right now has to be, uh, you know, the quote-unquote Pac-12 champ.
1: Yeah, I mean, on Sports Scramble yesterday, you know, I did we did break down our top four at the time, and I did put Oregon there at four based on this performance. Um, I think that they are close. Um, They could be the number four team. They do have to win the Pac-12 championship. Things have to work out. But I did kind of rank the top four Pac-12 teams uh, right now for me looking at it. um, Number one being Oregon, two UCLA, uh, three being USC, and probably four, uh, probably being Oregon State at four. Uh, I I just feel like there's a lot going on there um, with what can happen. I mean, they're a team that's always there to upset somebody. So it, it, it can happen at any point in time. Uh, But that's really kind of what it is right now. I think Oregon's probably the best team in in the Pac-12, and we can agree on that uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, But moving away from the Pac-12 and into the big, bad SEC uh, with a big matchup here, number seven, Ole Miss. The Rebels headed to Baton Rouge to face off against Tyler's LSU Tigers. Uh, Big game here. Uh, You know, it was – basically an even line for this. We had talked about it leading up to it. What's going to happen? Is Ole Miss, is offense going to take advantage uh, of an LSU defense that's looked laxed over the last few weeks? uh, Or is LSU going to step up to the occasion, it being a top-10 team and Ole Miss? Um, And you had some belief in your guys, and and they did get it done, you know, falling 14-3 to to open this game, kind of playing catch-up, and that was not a good start for them. And uh, ultimately just ran – Ole Miss out of the building, to it third, second quarter on. Yeah, I, I knew
0: that LSU had a chance, but if you would have told me that the that they would put up 45 and then Ole Miss would only put 20, I would probably have called you crazy. But, yeah, like we mentioned, like three, you know, four of the games that we have talked about has been the same story. Ole Miss started off fast, and then LSU comes in the second half and absolutely dominates them. You know, Ole Miss was up on this game 17-3, to and I texted y'all in the sports ground, well, this is looking heavily like the Tennessee game. Well, I'm glad that I'm wrong that it wasn't like the Tennessee game. It was like the Tennessee game with the opposite side. I she blew out Ole Miss. Uh, but I think, you know, I was very shocked that Ole Miss was trying to, you know, throw the football more than running because they're one of the more better running attacks in the nation. You know, we saw Zach Evans. That was definitely a huge loss for Ole Miss. You know, Quinshawn Juckins uh, had most of the carries. I mean, he had a good game, uh, but, you know, Jackson Dark, you know, who had that interception on Joe Fouché's, uh, you know, one handed interception? That was crazy. You know, you know, Ole Miss, you know, was able to take some deep shots and they were able, you know, to find their open receivers uh, in the first half. But I think really the main story for this one, you know, we didn't see Harold Perkins, uh, the freshman linebacker, in the first half and then they put him on the field in the second half and Ole Miss can't do anything. So hopefully uh, LSU's coaching staff looks at the film and then, you know, puts Harold Perkins on. On the field for four straight quarters, I'm sure that LSU fans would, you know, I know that I read Tiger droppings, and that's what they're saying every, every day, pretty much. Uh, so, once again, Jaden Daniels have proved uh, proven a quarterback. I think that he's uh, going to be the real deal, not only this year for LSU, uh, but next year. He could even be, you know, next year if he continues to play like this in the Heisman discussion. Probably not this year. I think that it's pretty much a runaway for Hendon Hooker and C.J. Stroud depending on if Stroud can beat uh, Penn State. Uh, But, yeah, this was just a dominating performance uh, from LSU's defense in the second half, and then LSU was able uh, to find, you know, the open holes in their running game. I think the LSU offensive line is continuing to grow. They're young, but they got some dudes uh, up front. So I think this was, uh, you know, a really big win, not only for this season but for the program of LSU since this was Brian Kelly's first top ten win uh, as a head coach for the Tigers.
1: Yeah, it was a big win by the Tigers in that 45 win over the Olmus Rebels uh and they look to rebound off of that as they have uh a date coming up with uh Alabama so it it'll, it'll be a big game there in a in a night game in Death Valley. Uh moving on to uh, our group of 5 game of the week uh or recap of the week, sorry, is the Cincinnati Bearcats heading down to Southern Methodist University, Uh, I tell you what, this game looked like a blowout in the first half. Cincinnati took control of this game early, kind of what I expected. Second half rolls around, and here comes SMU. Uh, SMU does end up covering the spread in this football game. uh, In a two-point game, wacky score, Uh, Cincinnati does hold on, but I think Cincinnati hurts more from this win than anything. Um, I think they're vulnerable, and I think people know that. They've got a date coming up with UCF this week. Uh, it'll be an interesting football game there. Uh, so I think that Cincinnati needs to figure out what uh, they did wrong in this one in the second half. I mean, it could just be a lack of motivation, you know, based on you blowing them out in the first half. You know, what? where do they go from here? You know, and, that, and that's the kind of thing. But I think Cincinnati... uh it just doesn't look, they're not the same team that they used to be, obviously with Desmond Ritter being there. Uh, so I, I think this is good for SMU. I think they know that they can beat a good team like Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati is a bad team, uh, but I think it says more about uh, the positives for SMU than it does you know, for the negatives of uh, Cincinnati.
0: Uh, here's another game where we're looking at a, a team dominating and then uh, SMU uh, trying to come back. And like you mentioned, that's a tough break. Uh, for betters who bet on Cincinnati uh, to cover the three and a half uh, since they only won by two. So all those people uh, lost. So that definitely sucks. So we know how that feels. Uh, We had uh, literally every pick right in our parlay. And then here comes UCF uh, to ruin our party. Uh, So hopefully, you know, we have one tonight with the the NBA and then the NFL game. So (laughs) we'll see if we can cash out. We did win uh, 30 bucks uh, last week on like NBA uh, parlay that we did uh, with the Grizzlies. They were able to come through with us. Uh, But going back to this game, uh, I think that the Cincinnati run game uh, was the story in this one. I mean, and also the Cincinnati defense, I don't know what they were doing in the, in the fourth quarter. I don't know if they decided to just give up like, Oh, we're already up 15 and we got this. And here comes SMU because SMU, I know that they're now three and four on the year. I think that they're, they're a better football team than their record. They had a tough schedule. I mean, they, they faced TCU when they were three and one. That was pretty much like their their first big game, and then after that, it's kind of been a downhill. So SMU is still a good football team. I think that you know Cincinnati, you know, is still a good football team as well. I know that they're not as great from last year. Last year's team was just phenomenal. I mean, they made it to the playoff. They were the first uh, group of five. But for the American, I think that it's not going to be Cincinnati win the conference. I think it's going to be the two lane green green wave. They absolutely destroyed Memphis this week. And usually Memphis is a pretty good football team. But uh, you know, Tulane's defense, I think, is a story of that one. Like, I mean, everyone wants to talk about, you know, how good Tulane's offense is and like in that game as well, Tulane was up big and then Memphis came back. So I think that the score in that game was closer than it really was. Tulane dominated that one, but Cincinnati, you know, dominated for three quarters and then here comes SMU. But Still, I think that it, I think we could see you know Cincinnati and Tulane uh, facing off. Uh, I don't know if they face off uh, in the regular season, but definitely they would face off uh, in the American Athletic, and that would be a really, really good game.
1: Yeah, that would be a fantastic game. Yeah, Memphis on the downhill spiral. You know, Paxton Lynch is long gone. Mike mm-hmm. Norvell is gone. Uh, there's a lot of pieces there that are missing uh, for from Memphis' success in the past. So uh, I think the Tulane Green Wave are definitely next up on the on the agenda uh, to take a hold of of the big bad group of five, along with Cincinnati. Uh, but moving away from our recaps from week eight, it is week nine. So we're going to get into some of our week nine. Uh, and the first thing up on the list for our games of the week, first thing is, is that it is brought to you by Fanatics. Uh, if you guys want to go check out, all the fan gear that they have to offer over at Fanatics, uh, you can head over to our link that it is in our, our description of our show, uh, and wherever you listen to to the show at, um, for those of you live, you can see it on the screen, uh, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but if you are listening to the audio, yes, you can go find it in our description. So uh, that being said, Tyler, moving into our games of the week first for the ACC. Uh, That being Notre Dame will be facing off against the team that gave Clemson a run for their money, uh, and that is number 16 Syracuse. They did fall two spots after that loss, which I think is a good fall. I think two spots is okay for them. They're still fine uh, now being a one-loss team. Uh, But Notre Dame is coming to town, and this could be very interesting. Um, I I could see it being a close game. I could also see Syracuse winning this game uh, pretty convincingly. It depends on how healthy Garrett Schrader is, I think, um, and how well Notre Dame's going to be able to run the football. Um, that's kind of the only thing that they're going to be able to do this season. So uh, I think the biggest story for this one is uh, who's going to dominate the trenches. Uh, and I think it's Syracuse. I think in the Dome, I think they're the team that can win this football game. Uh, I think they win this game probably 30 to 27. Uh, it'll be a three-point game. At the end of it all, uh, I, I just think Syracuse can control it just a little bit more.
0: Yeah, Notre Dame's offense has been one of the worst in the country. I mean, they they did score. You know, they did have a good win against UNLV, but UNLV's also got one of the worst offenses in the country. Uh, they were able to score more than the, the team total that was on uh, the betting side. So, but, yeah, the main question that I also have, you know, how healthy is Garrett Trader? You know, if we see 100% – Gary Trader in this one, I think that Syracuse uh, can cruise uh, to victory in this one, especially in the dome. I think that you know this is going to be a defensive battle. You know both offenses uh, like to run heavily on the run, on the running game, so we could see you know a lot of time possession, a lot of back and forth uh, games. So I think that Syracuse uh, gets it done. Uh, you know they looked uh, really impressive in the first three quarters. I think that they'll be really motivated. I think that a lot of players saw that they could have. They could have won that game, deserved that game, but they, they just let it get away. So I think that Syracuse won this one in a low-score battle, like I mentioned to you know, talented defenses. So but I think that Syracuse wins this game 24 to 13 over the five Irish.
1: And heading to our next game, the Pitt Panthers are headed to North Carolina to face off against the UNC. Tar Heels, uh, who are ranked 21 in the country currently. Uh, this game here, I think, has the makings of being a very high-scoring game. Um, I think you could probably agree with me, but this game uh, is ultimately going be to troll- be controlled by who has the best offense, and if anybody decides to show up with their defense, uh, and-, and I don't think anybody is going to show up with any defense. I-, I think this is probably two teams that score in the 30s pretty easily. Uh, I'm going to go 38-31. I think that uh north carolina is the better football team here especially at home Pitt, you know start of the season was a ranked team doing okay and it's been a downhill spiral for them ever since then just not quality wins some bad losses uh so i think north carolina takes full advantage of being at home in this one
0: yeah there's going to be a lot of offense in this one both defenses have been struggling especially in north carolina with with gene chizik uh, their new defensive coordinator we'll see if they'll retain him or not, if, if Mac Brown, uh, you know, wants to have one of the worst defenses in the ACC in the country. But I think that the quarterback battle here with Keaton Slovis and Drake May, I think that Drake May, no one's really talking about him. You know, North Carolina is still only a one-loss team, and their one loss is to Notre Dame, uh, that which is also uh, on the screen there. So your pick in North Carolina is looking very good uh, for the ACC because I don't really see anyone in that division coming close to the Tar Heels because Pitt it's already three losses, and you have Virginia – Who's also with three losses, and you have Duke who doesn't want to play football anymore. Uh, so, I, and then Miami, we can talk about them. They don't even play football anymore, <laughs> nor do their fans show up uh, to their stadium. So, this is going to be a high-scoring shootout. I don't know what the over is, but it might, you know, be willing uh, to take it. Uh, but I want to go North Carolina forty-one to thirty-four in this one. A lot of points, and if you're in the stands, that's good for you because I think that both offenses will have success, and the defenses. I think whoever you know wins this turnover battle. You know, the team that wins the turnover battle usually wins. We didn't see that in the Syracuse game. It was four to one in favor of Syracuse. Could have been four nothing if Garrett Schrader uh, didn't throw that that last interception. But I think that North Carolina's offense, I trust them more, Pit, But I think it's going to be a high-scoring shootout. One of the more higher-scoring games that we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, a very high-scoring game for both of us here. And moving away from the ACC to the high-scoring Big 12, the TCU Horned Frogs are headed to West Virginia to the country roads uh, to defend their undefeated run so far uh, in about against the Mountaineers. I think the story for this one is going to be how fast can TCU get out to a start? West Virginia has not turned out very good this year. Uh, You know, a big hard-fought battle with Pitt to open the season. But other than that, really nothing's happened. Uh, so I think TCU wins this game very convincingly. We just had to pick two games within the Big 12. Uh, our, our second game in the Big 12 is definitely more big than is, – is a bigger game than, than this one. Uh, so I, I think TCU gets this one done. I'm going to go 45-21 in this one. I think it's a pretty one-sided affair in this one with, with uh, Duggan leading the way.
0: Yeah, West Virginia, you know, has the talent better than their record. I mean, JT Daniels has been doing fine. You know, really the game that I've been looking for them was, you know, they've had some really good wins after losing to Pitt at home. And obviously we know that TCU has done one of the more impressive resumes. So I think that TCU's defense uh, is a lot better than West Virginia. West Virginia cannot stop anyone, uh, you know, especially, you know, the talented quarterbacks at the Big 12 has. So, like you mentioned, you know the country roads uh, has a really good environment. You know, one of the more underrated environments, especially you know when West Virginia is doing really good. But I just don't see it here. I think that TCU is just a better football team. You'll see it on the football field. As I had the Horned Frogs win this game, fifty-two to twenty-four, and beating the country roads out of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean they'll be they'll be riding the country roads back to uh, Fort Worth uh, in a plane, obviously. Uh, but uh, they'll be enjoying their time probably. Uh, on the plane back to Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I think that this next game is is a, is a bigger game uh, for sure, and that is number nine, Oklahoma State. Uh, they're headed to K-State. Uh, they're going to take on the Kansas State Wildcats. I think, uh, first of all, Oklahoma State at number nine is kind of a strange one, kind of like Ole Miss being at number seven. I think this one, uh, you know, with the game against Texas that we didn't talk about uh, on Saturday, I, I think – story is texas could have definitely won that football game uh it's just a matter of home field advantage home field advantage excuse me i think for that one um i i feel like spencer Sanders i feel like sanders is running out of uh out of energy i just feel like he's exerting more and more every week and he just looks exhausted uh and they just need more weapons at oklahoma state they just don't have it uh in k-state is a team that likes to spoil it i mean uh It just feels like this is a game that K-State can win, especially at home. Uh, So I'm going to take the upset pick here. I think K-State gets it done against Oklahoma State. Um, I think they win probably by three in this one. All these games that Oklahoma State have played has been really, really close. Uh, I think it's a three-point affair at the end of it all. I'm going to go 35-32, and I'll take K-State.
0: Yeah, I mean, like TCU, Oklahoma State has been running through a gauntlet as well you know three consecutive rank versus rank themes and these you know they still have a bulk of their schedule left hit. I, I i you know number 9 Oklahoma cool State. say i'm not really going to argue with it you know the one loss uh who did they even lose to i cannot remember. oh it was tcu that's right because <laughs> that was a big game uh for both of them uh so i think you know Going to this game, I think that this is the battle of, you know, offense versus defense. Oklahoma State and Kansas State, you know, have two of the best offenses. But I think that Oklahoma State's defense versus Kansas State, it's got to be Kansas State. I know that, you know, Kansas State, you know, if you look at the first half, their defense shut down TCU. And no one was able to do that for the first seven games of the season. So I'm going to agree with you. I have also see an upset here. It's tough uh, to go on the road, especially playing at Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, that's a, a tough road environment. Those That student section gets rowdy on the sidelines. So I think this is going to be a close game as well. I'll go 34-30. I'll go K-State.
1: Yeah, so pretty close scores there for the both of us uh, in the Big 12. And moving on to the Big 10, we have a big matchup here in the Big 10. And the first is a top 15 bout between number two. Uh, Ohio State, they're headed to Happy Valley to take on the number 13 Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, it's going to be a noon kickoff game, big noon kickoff here. Um, I think the story for this game is ultimately who controls the line of scrimmage, who can get out to a quick start, like I'd mentioned, um, in defense. Somebody's got to play defense in this one. Ohio- I have mentioned Ohio State's defense has not had to put up with anything this season. This will be their first test of the year, and it comes in week nine. Uh, So it just goes to show you the strength of schedule that they have played has been absolutely atrocious. Yeah,
0: especially when Spencer Peters uh, throws a pick-six
1: on his first first pass. (laughs) Yes. I I just feel like this is uh, a game that Penn State can take advantage of because of the the lack of talent that Ohio State has played. You can arguably say their toughest game that Ohio State's played was the season opener against Notre Dame and a game that they pretty much controlled Um, was a close game. I think this game's even closer. The line is at 16 points. I can't believe that. Um, But I think that Penn State can win this football game at home. I have belief that they can do it. Uh, So I will take the upset pick in this one as well. Um, Game, I think they can win this game by three points. Um, So I'm going to give them the nod. It's going to be lower scoring. I'll go 27-24 in this one, and the Nittany Lions get it done.
0: Yeah, I feel like this game is always close to the line. Being at 16-and-a-half is is really absurd. I know that Ohio State has been looking uh, really good. They've absolutely been blowing out teams uh, left and right. But like you mentioned, they really haven't faced a legitimate offense. I mean, really, they had to play Iowa, they had to play Notre Dame, and they had to play some cupcakes uh, in between uh, in the Big Ten. So, you know, Ohio State's defense hasn't been tested. You know, Jim Knowles, the former Oklahoma State uh, defensive coordinator We'll have to game plan for a two-headed monster coming out of the backfield. I think that this has got to be the Sean Clifford game. I mean, this is where that he can make his mark. And this is where James Franklin can shut up all the doubters about him not winning the big games. Uh, So I think, you know, Ohio State, you know me. This has been a team uh, that I circled in the preseason that this could be the, you know, the potential national championship uh, winning team. They got – Dudes on Lily, uh, on the offense. I mean, C.J. Stroud, and then you got uh, Trevion Williams, who's been having a really good season. So I think for Penn State, they have to do a better job of defending the rush. I mean, they cannot get exploited like they did against Michigan if they want a shot. Or if they don't, it's going to look like the Michigan game with Ohio State just running away uh, with this game. Like you mentioned, it is big noon kickoff. Both of these teams have experience playing uh, in the mornings. So, you know, we could see a, a sleepy uh, – start to the game I wouldn't be shocked if it's like a seven to three uh type of game but like you mentioned uh in sports scramble Penn State needs a fast start against Ohio State you can't get down against a really talented uh, offense and you know me as well I've been going back and forth on this game but you know the way that this season is going it really hasn't been chalky I have Ohio State right now in my playoff but you know what I could change upset Penn State at home I think they get it done. I'm going to go Penn State in this one. I think it's going to be a close game, back and forth. A lot of talk has been about Ohio State. I think that Penn State wants to shut that up. I'll go 28 uh, to 25. Give it to a Penn State at home. I don't think that they. I think they win at least one big game, and I have it being at home.
1: Yeah, this would be a big game for them, and of course, we both pick a three-point margin on this one. So uh, Ohio State not covering the 60, and I think that's insane. Yeah, uh, for that one, this just seems like the first test for them. This feels uh, it, to me,
0: this feels like the Alabama Tennessee game. Ohio State has dominated this series as of late. They're a 16 and a half point favorite. And you know, Penn State, you're not no one's gonna pick them, no one's gonna talk about them, and you'll see on Saturday why uh, they're still uh nearing the top ten.
1: Yeah, your only loss comes in a blowout. I mean, Penn State's season is kind of looking like Oregon's. Uh it seems I think that
0: that woke them up. That's yeah. gonna wake them up. I don't think you're gonna see the same mistakes on Saturday. Morning, I should say. I almost said Saturday night, but this game is in the morning, so get your. Calm. Yeah, I know
1: it's, it. throws me off, so I got to be got to be up in, in there looking at the TV at eleven o'clock. Of course, we're on Central Time Zone, so yeah it, uh, it <laughs> it'll be it'll be an early one, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing the Nittany Lines get a big win at home. Um, and moving on to our second game, the Battle of the Michigans here. Michigan <laughs> State is headed to Ann Arbor to face off against. Uh, it's going to be the Spartans against the Wolverines here, and, and Michigan State is not ranked this time around. Uh, last time these two did square off uh, was a very good football game, and, and you know it's the, it was the story of Kenneth Walker, you know, really running yeah. the show in this, in this football game, and uh, now we flip flop. Here comes Blake Corum uh, for Michigan in number four ranked Michigan. I think this can be a sloppy a sloppy football game. Only problem here for Michigan state is that this game is in Ann Arbor. Um, I do think that Michigan kind of got away with it this year with having Penn state and Michigan state, both at home. I know they have to go to Ohio state. Uh, but if that's the only game that they got to play on the road, uh, it's a pretty lax schedule. So I I feel, uh, I feel like Michigan will run away with this game pretty early. Uh, and I think they'll probably bury Michigan state as they want to want to take care of their in-state rival pretty easily. Um, I'll take Michigan in this one. I think it's probably going to be uh, a 45 to 17 type game. I think it's going to be a big blowout.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been some memorable moments. Like you mentioned, the Kenneth Walker, you know, quote unquote, almost Heisman game. And that got him in the conversation. And then we saw the voice crack from Sean McDonough a couple of years ago, whenever uh, Michigan, uh, you know, lost a snap and then Michigan State score with zero seconds left, and that that guy in the crowd's like this So with his surrender cobra, But I don't see any of that happening. Michigan State's uh, defense hasn't been able to stop anyone. Their offense isn't as good as it was last year. I mean, especially with a guy like Kenneth Walker. If he's no longer in the backfield, then there's really nothing you can do. But I think this is going to be a blowout. So don't even really – I mean, we have to put it on here. We have to pick two games. But Michigan wins this one 42-7, gets revenge uh, from last year's game.
1: Yeah, and to the Pac-12, we're going out west for our matchups, and the first one being a matchup of number 14, Utah. They're still sitting there in the top 15, which is crazy, uh, and they're headed to face against Washington State in the Cougars. I think this game has the makings of being a trap game, especially for Utah, going to yeah, Washington Thursday State. Thursday
0: night, so short
1: rest yeah. for both. Yes, it's a short rest for both of these teams. I think this has the makings of being a trap game, especially on a Thursday night uh, to Washington State. They're a team that can match you pound for pound. Uh, you know, Matchups one-on-one. I, I do think this is a battle of coaching um, and ultimately uh, experience. I think you know, Cam Rising having definitely the most experience of anybody on that football field uh, will be a big success in this game. Um, if they want to win this game at Washington State. Um, I think Utah can get it done. It's probably a two-touchdown game at the end of it all. Um, I I think that the biggest question mark is going to be, can Washington State stop the run against Utah? Um, And ultimately, can Washington State throw the ball and have success against a Utah defense um, that's looked subpar Up until this point. And, you know, of course, a lot about we talk with Pac-12 is there is a big lack of defense Um, in the same thing goes for the Big 12. So I think that whoever is going to win this game is going to win the defensive battle uh, in the secondary. So I have Utah winning this game. I think they're probably going to win it 35-21. I think it's a two touchdown game uh, at the end of it all. And they stay in the top 15.
0: Yeah, Washington State has really played uh, You know, some of these teams close. They played USC close. Uh, they had a big win on the road against Wisconsin. You know, earlier in the season, that was a good win. Now, you know, they just got trampled by Purdue. Actually, no, they won against uh, Purdue uh, this weekend. Uh, so, going back to, to this one, it is a Thursday night game, short rest uh, for both. Uh, but I just don't think that Washington State's defense is going to be able to stop Cam Rising, the passing attack. And I think the run uh, running game uh, for Utah is as good – as well. So I think that, you know, Utah will win this one pretty comfortably. It will be a, you know, close game uh, throughout and I think that in the fourth quarter you'll see a Utah really uh, closing this game out, getting a big win uh, on the road at in Pullman, Washington. So I'll go with uh, the Utes in this one, Give me a 34-24 win over Washington State.
1: And our second matchup in the Pac-12 <laughs> is the Arizona State Sun Devils headed to Colorado to face off against the Colorado Buffalo, I, I I feel like this game we had to add because it is a battle of the toilet bowls. It's so bad that we had to put it because there's no other games in the Pac-12 that's even worth talking about. So let's talk about two teams that we barely talked anything about, one being Colorado. I don't think we've mentioned them since week one of the season. Um, so I, I think, first of all, this game uh, could have meant something had these two teams actually – Showing up like they were supposed to this season. I know they're in the bottom that second. They were supposed to be that second tier uh, group for the Pac-12, but of course Arizona State losing their head coach, firing their head coach, um, and then Colorado not having any success whatsoever, except for uh, you know one game. So I think it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here. I think Arizona State can control this game from start to finish with a run game. Colorado's defense has been absolutely atrocious all year um, so I think Arizona State will win this game in Colorado I think only thing that Colorado's got going for them is that they're at home uh and that make that might make it to a two touchdown football game lower scoring game I'm gonna go 28 uh, 14 in this one I I think Arizona State is the better all-around team
0: Yeah, fade Colorado in this one. Uh, They are awful. Literally their one win of the season uh, was against Cal. And, of course, we bet on that game had Cal covering. And, of course, Colorado ends up pulling that one in overtime. Uh, But I don't really see uh, Colorado getting another win. If they do get another win, this is probably their last chance since they have a gauntlet of the rest of their schedule. And like you mentioned, we haven't talked about Colorado since their first game at home was against TCU, an unranked TCU. And guess who picked Colorado? You did. So I bet that didn't look good. Uh, so, that, yeah, both of these teams are definitely heading in the wrong direction. We know that Arizona State doesn't have a coach. They're both interim head coach in Colorado. We'll probably fire their head coach as well if they still care about football at that university. Uh, but I'm going to go Arizona State in this one. They'll cruise uh, to win. I'll go 35-14 to 14 over the Buffaloes.
1: Yeah, pretty sound wins uh, for both of these teams that we have in the Pac-12. Uh Moving on to the SEC, uh, we got some big matchups here. First one being number 19, Kentucky, is still there. They're still alive somehow, and they're headed to Knoxville to face off against the all-firepower number three, Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, I think this game can be over in the first half. It just depends on how well Tennessee plays. Um, If they can stop Kentucky, Kentucky seems to be falling apart slowly week to week. So I think that Tennessee can win this game pretty easily. I don't think they have any problem with putting up points in the 40s. I'm going to go 42-28 in this one. I feel like it's just one-sided with Tennessee's offensive uh, attack with Hyatt and and Hooker. I I just feel like it is way too much, and they are arguably the best quarterback-receiver duo uh, in the country this year.
0: Yeah, I don't really have faith uh, in Kentucky to keep this one close. I mean, Kentucky does have a favorable defense, uh, but it doesn't matter what defense you have against Tennessee. Tennessee's going to score it well because they're the fastest offense. They, You know, they're just like this, snap, snap every time. And it's like, whoa, one minute, they're already in the touchdown, 7 nothing. So it's going to be like that uh, for four quarters. I think that Tennessee starts this one off. You know, they're coming off of a game scoring 65 against UT Martin and then 52 against Alabama. Uh, two weeks ago, and Kentucky's offense has really been struggling. You know, Will Levis is back. I think that they're going to have to get their running game going with Chris Rodriguez to have a chance because it, they, I think they pretty much had to turn this into a high-scored shootout, but I just don't see Kentucky's offense being able to really keep up with them. I think that Tennessee wins this one. I, I'm surprised that the line's, like, low. It's, like, only 12 points. Uh, I think that Tennessee can cover that, so give me 42-20 to 20 over the Cats at home.
1: And we're going to agree on that one there in a big ranked matchup and second matchup here in the sec uh, is Florida. And they're facing off against number one, Georgia. You can see that it does not say at, for those of you watching live, it is not at Georgia. It is actually a neutral site game in Jacksonville, Florida uh, at T I a bank, Arena uh, stadium, I think. Yes. I think it still is T I a. And uh, I could, I can't remember. There's too many to keep up with. Uh, but this is, I think, has the makings of being a close game. I do realize that Florida has fallen apart. You know, they're not ranked anymore. Uh, but Georgia seems to be having problems offensively uh, in the first half of these football games. I think that Florida throws something different at them that they haven't seen this year, and that being a running quarterback. So I think the biggest thing is is that can Florida find success offensively against a really good Georgia front seven? Um And then ultimately, can Florida secondary stop the passing attack from Stetson Bennett? And so I think it can be a closer game. I think Georgia ultimately wins this football game, uh, but it has the makings of being a 10-point game. Uh, So I think I'm going to go 38-28 in this one. I think Georgia probably gets a late touchdown to seal the deal uh, in this one. And I just think it's too much for Florida to come back.
0: Yeah, Florida's defense has been awful these past couple of weeks. So, you know, they are coming off of the bye week, and so is Georgia. You know, I could see this one either being as close. You know, Florida did play uh, Tennessee close, or I could see this one turning out like the georgia Auburn game where Georgia just absolutely dominates uh, from start to finish. You know, Georgia's offense, you know, has been really solid uh, with Stetson Bennett. You know, Brock Bowers is is his top target. You know, they haven't really been running on the the running game, but they've really been – Going passive. I think, you know, Anthony Richardson has to have a, a really clean game. He can't really afford any turnovers. So this one can turn upside down. I don't really see this one being close. I think the, mat- the talent and the matchup is it, just far too much uh, for Florida to handle. I know it's a rivalry game, but Georgia should dominate this one from start to finish. I think that Georgia wins this one pretty convincingly. I'll go 38 to 17 over Florida.
1: So we got some big wins there in the SEC in a couple of big games with some ranked teams. And, of course, as you guys know, we normally do our group of five, uh, but we're going to throw something different at you. This is the worst week of group of five uh, I've seen all season. I just don't think there's anything there in this game uh, that we're going to be showing you guys um, is a big one in FCS football, you know, not being the main FBS that we talk about. Uh, But it is an FCS matchup. College game day is going there, uh, oddly enough. And that's going to be Southern University facing off against Jackson State, uh, a undefeated Jackson State team led by Coach Prime himself uh, up against a two loss five and two Southern University team that uh, seems to be all over the place, but they are still five and two. Uh, I tell you what I said, this game is going to be, uh, very interesting. I think Jackson state ultimately does have the edge in this one. Uh, that being offensively, they have so many weapons, uh, for an FCS school. It's unbelievable. I think they're probably going to get an odd to the FBS soon enough. It'll be a matter of who they join. And ultimately I think they're probably going to go to the sunbelt. Um, and you could see a big rivalry coming between Jackson state and, uh, James Madison, I think they could really be duking it out for the Sun Belt in the very near literally, future.
0: Literally duking
1: it out. <laughs> duking it out, literally. Yeah, For uh, in the Sun Belt in the near future. Uh, but for Southern University, I think they can ultimately get a big win here. That would be a big shocker for Jackson State to go down to a Southern University team. Uh, and this team has always uh, given problems to Jackson State. So I think this has the makings of being a really a game. Jackson State controls the offense, though. Ultimately, in this one, I think it's probably a 35 to 21 game. Uh, I'm gonna give it to Jackson State at home, they're just well coached football team, and uh, they have not stopped and they have kept pedaling all season long.
0: Yeah, and the wins uh, that Southern has had, they have put up some points. I mean, every game that they put up, they put up like 86 against Florida, more then like 59, and 59, and like 56. But in the losses, they, they can't really score much. Uh, so I think that this is going to be another uh, battle test that they get, especially on the road in Jackson State. Like you mentioned, I think the talent-wise, Jackson State uh, has it in both on the offense and the defense. I mean, they had the number one recruit come to Jackson State and Travis Hunter. So Southern's got their hands full. I think that this is going to be too much uh, for them on the road in a hostile environment. Uh, so I think that with college game day there, that's just going to add to the environment already. So I think that Jackson State – Canada I bet against uh, Coach Prime in this one. So I think they'll have his boys ready against Southern. Uh, and I think they continued their undefeated uh, season. They're probably going to go undefeated and then go on to the annual bowl game uh, that the HBCUs uh, play against each other. So I think that uh, Jackson State will win this one pretty convincingly. I'll go 41 to 30 in this one. I think that both teams will be able to score. But I got Jackson State can't go against uh, Coach
1: Prime. Yeah, I think they're going to take care of business pretty well at home in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Moving on, of course, guys, we did not forget uh, it is our risers and followers. And, of course, our risers and followers are brought to you by Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. Uh, You guys can go check them out in the Houston metro area. Of course, they've been jumping up and down after the Astros finished their season sweep of the Yankees uh, last night in a big win. They'll be headed to the World Series against the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, And, of course, our people over at the network at at old city sports network are jumping up and down because their Phillies are back in it since 2009. It's the first time. Uh, and of course the Astros, this is their sixth time uh, visiting uh, or the fourth time in the last six years that they'll be visiting back to the world series. And of course, after their big win in 2017, uh, this is their time to uh, make amends with uh, the world series gods after their uh scandal that they have faced uh but it'll be a good matchup here so uh if you guys want to check out uh all the stuff that buffalo bayou brewing company is offering especially they're bringing out some specialty stuff for the world series run uh and a brand new stuff that chet's been talking to us about so uh he said that they handed he got handed a giant crate of crush ipa and uh he said i don't know what to do with this so uh, i'm sure chet will probably be watching the astros and uh, enjoying some Crush IPA. So if you guys want to go check out all that they offer, go head over to www.buffbrew.com. That is www.buffbrew.com. Risers and followers, Tyler. So our risers uh, for the week, who is your big riser of the week? I have a feeling I know who it is, but uh, give it to us anyways.
0: (laughs) Well, for our viewers, uh, you can see all my background stuff is what I'm going in the direction for our listeners. I'm going with the LSU Tigers. I mean, Last time that we saw them, they were ranked 25th, and they got blown out. And then the, the AP poll was like, all right, bye-bye to this team. And then a couple of weeks, uh, they get a big win on the road against Florida and then a big win at home. So we see them. Uh, they'll be there in at the least for the next two weeks uh, before they had to play uh, Alabama uh, on November 5th, uh, which is going to be a very good game. Uh, it's going to be a night game in Death Valley. So that's going to be the peak uh, Death Valley. It should be a sold-out environment. I think uh, it's going to be a really good game. We'll see. I'm not going to give my prediction. I'll, I'll wait uh, for next week's show uh, for that. Uh, but I'm sure that there's more optimism around LSU uh, surrounding that game. But yeah, I got to give it to LSU. They jumped up from the unranked all the way up to number uh, 18. Uh, so they're surrounded by like Illinois and Kentucky, and that. Uh, so obviously, if a win against Bam, they could vault all the way up to you know potentially like 13, 14 range. Uh, but got to give it to LSU, especially after a dominating win at home against Ole Miss.
1: Yeah, it was a big win for them, and and they moved up quite a bit. As far as my riser goes, uh, I'm going to go with the ranked 25th South Carolina Gamecocks. Big win at home against Texas A&M uh, in a fan environment where the fans pretty much won them that football game at the end of it all. So a uh, big win for South Carolina. They are still 5-2. and two. Uh, They did have a couple of losses, and uh, those two being back-to-back. You know, you lost to an Arkansas team that was hot at the right time, and you lost to a Georgia team pretty big at home and uh, Georgia was coming off of a big win there as well. So I, I think that uh, South Carolina has settled in from week three, you know, on you've rattled off a number of wins um, against some decent teams. You beat a rank 13 Kentucky last week. And now you, you know, you beat uh, a really solid Texas A&M team. So I think that uh, moving forward, I think that they have a chance to really give some people a fight late in the season. It depends on how well Spencer Rattler, you know, does offensively for them uh, defensively. I think they probably should have held Texas A&M to a little less than 24 uh, being they're having a lot of quarterback troubles. So I, I think that uh, you got Missouri this week. I think it's going to be a pretty easy win in Vanderbilt after that Florida on the road. I think you can, that'll be a tough test, but I think you can ultimately get a win there. But you close out the season, coming back home to face off against Tennessee, and then uh, you're going to Clemson to to finish it is out. That so game I, I at think
0: home or in Knoxville.
1: That is at home, so they'll be playing in South Carolina in Columbia for for that Oof. game. So they do have an if, like, upside South, there.
0: Just imagine if, like you know, South Carolina wins out, and that that atmosphere with sandstorm that better be if, if that's a night game. who I might I might have to pull the upset because especially I think. Well, the Georgia game is next week, so you know that would be down the road, but you know, Tennessee could be riding high all the way to South Carolina, so who knows?
1: Yeah, and I think the one thing to notice is late in that schedule. If you play a really good Tennessee team, let's say you play them decent, you still lose, uh, you still got a lot of confidence going into a game against Clemson because I feel like Tennessee is way better than a Clemson team at this point right now. I feel
0: like a lot of people, if you had to pick that game, I I would have to bet that a lot of people would pick South Carolina to upset Clemson right now.
1: Yeah, and the people have really overlooked South Carolina as far as strength of schedule goes, just because of where these people were to start the season. I mean, yes, you face off against Georgia because they are in your division. I understand that. Uh, But you play against a decently ranked Arkansas team at the time that's no longer ranked. Uh, And you play against a decently ranked Kentucky team uh, and then you finish out against the number three team in the country and the number six team in the country yeah, as of a number five team name. in the country. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, that's tough playing two teams back-to-back in the top five. So they better be ready for it. And uh, I think Coach Beamer will have them ready for it. So it's uh, it'll be tough for South Carolina uh, to even go one and one in that game. So I, I think they'll probably be a four-loss team at the end of the year. That's so good. Uh, at an 8-4 which is a decent season for South Carolina, don't get me wrong, and I think Wade would agree uh, with that one as well. Uh, But that is my riser. Tyler, who is your faller for week eight going into week nine now?
0: Yeah, well, my faller ties into who else you played, and that is Ole Miss. They dropped big time. I think the AP poll voters were not impressed. They were impressed with the first half. They weren't impressed with the second half of Ole Miss, uh, but I think that it was a question mark to begin with for Ole Miss being number seven. I mean, if you look at their strength and schedule, it was one of the worst. I mean, they played Georgia Tech in Atlanta. They played Tulsa. They played Arkansas State. I mean, they played Central Arkansas, and they played Troy. To be honest with you, that stretch, Troy is their best win. (laughs) So uh, that is very bad. And then Kentucky, uh, they beat them. It was a very sloppy game, though, and then. Uh, they beat Auburn, which they gave up 34 points to Auburn. That's why I picked LSU. I was not impressed uh, with you know Auburn versus Ole Miss. You know, if you're giving up 34 points, uh, one of the worst offenses in the SEC. But I think that you're gonna start to see uh, a downward spiral for those Ole Miss team. They have Alabama coming in here for the next. Uh, they have, I believe who do they have? I can't remember who they have. Oh, Texas A&M uh, on the road. So. That's not a given, and then you have Alabama coming to your place, So I don't I don't see that as a win. So I could see this team uh, at max, probably a three-loss team. Uh, you know, Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl, I think that's going to be a very competitive uh, game. They'll probably win this weekend against A&M, but if they don't, I could see them uh, being a four-loss team at the end of the season.
1: And uh, for my faller of the week, I'm going to head to the Big 12. Uh, I've got Texas as my big faller. Uh, you know, you let a game on the road – at Oklahoma State and ultimately couldn't finish it out and let Sanders and that Oklahoma State offense take control of it late uh, and sealed the deal with a game-winning pick. Uh, so I, I think that Texas, now at 5-3, and three, uh, did have a very tough schedule. I, I will give them credit. They have played a really tough schedule. Uh, you lose a close game to Alabama that you should have won uh, you know, early in the season. You know, You ultimately lose – uh, a game to Texas Tech that you had no business losing on a game-winning field goal, um, it, and it just seems like this loss to Oklahoma State has started the the downhill spiral for them. Coming up, they've got tough games. You head to K State in two weeks. You get a buy this week, but you head I to K State.
0: True.
1: Yeah, Man. it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really tough one for them uh, going to K State, especially if K State gets the job done. This weekend, uh, they'll be riding pretty high. So uh, that'll be tough. And then you got to come back home and play against the number seven team in the country in TCU, uh, who's an all out offensive attack and I think is the best team in the Big 12 by far. Uh, then you got to go to Kansas and finish the season out at home against Baylor. So Ooh. this really could be a 500 Texas team this at the end of it all. This could be a
0: 7 and 5 team. And uh, yeah, yes. Texas is not back.
1: There's a chance that Texas only wins one more game and finishes the season uh, at 6-6. and I mean, it it really um, could be tough. And ultimately, I think what it comes down to is you didn't have Quinn Ewers for the whole season. He goes down in the game against Alabama. He's out for a little while. You do make it through the stretch and survive somewhat. You do lose to Texas Tech. Uh, I think they could probably be a 6-2 and team right now. Um, but they're not, and, and that's what's tough about it. Um, being a one-loss team coming into last week definitely would have been good for them. Um, and things about it, thing about it is is they could have beaten Alabama. And at this point, we're talking about an undefeated Texas team uh wow. that's probably that is in the top four. I they mean probably still lose well, let's so be honest see, if they, but I
0: think that they probably win uh with Quinn Ewers uh, well, I'm uh saying, against Texas.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, if if they had gotten through Alabama, I mean, up until Saturday, they probably would have been a team in the top four or top five, you know, based on those wins. Um, But, you know, falling to an Oklahoma state team that looked to have problems early uh, is not good for them. And of course, sitting at 20 last week, they now fall outside of it. And uh, I think they'll still finish outside based on what's coming up on the schedule. Um, And, To close out our show, of course, you guys know we give you the news in our question. So the big news is, Tyler, the Big Ten is sticking with the divisions uh, in 2023. Uh, They haven't announced what they're going to do in 2024 with a couple of teams coming in, but they are sticking with the divisions. What are your thoughts on the Big Ten East and West? Um, And that, you know, the Big Ten is sticking with the divisions.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with them sticking with the divisions. Uh, I think that they should uh, ultimately whenever UCLA and USC. But please put them in the Big Ten West. I mean, that has got to be one of the worst divisions along with the ACC Atlantic division. Uh, I just think that there's really no competition. I mean, you have like just look at this year, it's like Illinois and then who else? I mean, at the, the preseason, it's like, oh, Purdue, you know, might have a chance at it. You know, Wisconsin was the heavy favorite iowa was you know the second heavy favorite boy have they fallen off uh, this year they can't even score and well uh so i think that you know the east is definitely overpowered i mean the top three teams i mean even last year was was really rough i mean your top four teams you had like michigan State. they had like three teams in the top 10 it was michigan state michigan and ohio state they're all in the top 10 so i think that you know they can find a way to balance it out with UCLA and USC. Just put them in the Big Ten West. It makes sense geographically since you know they're in, they're the Wests you can get. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that uh, I think that if they do that, then I think that you really won't see much complaints of for the Big Ten fans. But hopefully they do something with uh, these divisions. Just that's really a simple fix. Just put them in and then boom, even.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's going to be weird seeing. Uh, USC and UCLA with the Big Ten crest on uh, all their uniforms. It's going to be very strange, be weird uh,
0: seeing them on the Big Ten on CBS next year.
1: Yes, it'll be interesting and in some early flights there for them for the big noon kickoffs uh, that they'll be visiting in the near future. It will be the uh, nine. O- it would be a nine a.m. kickoff. Yes,
0: for the Pac-12 teams hosts in
1: that. Well, and I think some of that is going to change because uh, the Big Ten and CBS have met a deal. Uh, so I think that a lot of two thirty games will be big 10 games. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to take the morning games, the 11 o'clock games um, in the future. Cause I think Fox will take somebody else um, probably stay with the big 12 and you'll yeah. see a lot of early big 12 games uh, for those that love in the Midwest that love to watch their big 12 football it's so lovely and early in the morning. Um, And it's the funny part is, is that it's not noontime at big noon kickoff in the Midwest when they do big noon kickoff. It's like 11 (laughs) o'clock. So it's it's not fun. Uh, So I understand that. Uh, But it seems to be uh, good that the Big Ten is sticking with their divisions. Of course, the Big 12 no longer has divisions. The back 12 no longer has divisions. Uh, Right now is the SEC, the Big Ten and the ACC that are your division uh, your division conferences. So I, I think that it's good that they stick with it just because of the talent overall, that's coming in and your current talent that you have in the big Ten East. Uh, finally, is, is our question, Tyler, would you like to take our question?
0: Yes. Uh, so our question of the day, this was brought up uh, in uh, last night's sports scramble show. I know that y'all closed out with a little bit of the tailgating talk in the college football atmosphere. So, our question to you and our viewers—we we'll also put this up whenever we post it on Spotify. That way, y'all, y'all can, you know, tell us who you think. You know, there's definitely going to be different answers, so it's not, you know, not a wrong, not a right answer in this one. But the question of the day here on the CIB Coast to Coast Week Nine is: What is the best tailgate atmosphere in the country? And I'll go first. So. I really don't have much experience. i only been to like a couple of stadiums. I've obviously been to LSU's uh, stadium. I tailgated there. I tailgated at South Alabama. I'll t- And then I'll, I've tailgated at Southern Miss, Mississippi State. I'll tell you what's the worst one, South Alabama. That was one of the worst tailgating atmospheres ever. Southern Miss is a close second. <laughs> I mean, that's just boring. I mean, geez, you go from like a, you know, tailgating at one of the bigger schools and you go to one of the group of fives, it's just like a, a dead scene out there. So, I'm gonna be biased in this one. If you don't say LSU, you're just dumb. I mean, they just do it differently down there. I mean, they like say it's like a six o'clock kickoff. They'll be there at six a.m. and they'll probably be drunk by three p.m. And you know, I just think that the the hospitality. I mean, you could be you know an opposing fan base and they'll they'll provide you food. I mean, that's just what they do. You know, they cook jambalaya, cook all this, they cook gator whenever you play Florida. They cook a hog when we play Arkansas they'll cook pretty much everything so I know that you know other schools you know have Ole Miss like the Grove and you know Penn State has a good atmosphere you you know Knoxville uh, Madison but LSU is the best tailgating atmosphere and that's not even a question
1: Yeah, for Tyler, it's LSU. And for me, it's probably Penn State just being Uh, at the game. Biased. (laughs) Yeah, or biased biased here. And I think most people are going to be. like
0: We've been to it the most, so of course we're going to say that.
1: (laughs) Sure. And, uh, no, I I do enjoy the LSU tailgates. I think that they're good. Uh, They're okay, but they're so spread out. That's my problem with the LSU tailgates is there's not one – General large area where tailgates happen. It's just kind of here and there and there and here, and then there's That's a bunch right there. <laughs> but you know, it it is it is good, and I think what makes Penn State different is that where's the stadium is at compared to LSU. LSU is right there and it's right you know on campus, well, all campus buildings around it. Versus Penn State, where it sits kind of away from all of uh, the school buildings and everything up on the hill. And uh, of course, all of the white and blue tents that flood down the hills into the valley is insane. And seeing all those people, uh, you know, that stadium does fill one hundred and ten thousand. But when you go to these tailgates, there's at least one hundred and fifty thousand people there at these tailgates. And it is insanity. And they're all having a good time. Um, And that's the great thing about uh, going to those games. Everybody's so friendly. And uh, you do have a good time, whether you're the opposing fan. Um, you know, it is a little different when you play somebody like Ohio State and Michigan. Some of them don't like each other. But at the end of the day, it, uh, it is a good time for everybody. And uh, I know I want to get you up there for one and get the guys up there for, for, for a big game. And you guys can experience uh, what a real tailgate's like. So it, uh, it'll, it'll be a good time, I think. Uh, if we all head up there,
0: yeah. And I will have one more thing. Like, oh. whenever I was a student there, like, whenever they were putting out the trash, the ye- the yellow trash cans, you just got goosebumps because you know that tomorrow, like, 24 hours away is game day, and like, your blood just gets boiling. You know what the atmosphere could be like, especially in 2019. Like, whenever the yellow trash cans, like, oh boy, here we go. We're a day away. Just get through classes, and then we get to tailgate and do whatever. So, yeah, whenever you see those trash cans, you know it's game day the next day.
1: <laughs> and speaking of game day uh to give you guys a little update uh last thursday i had the privilege of going uh to uh press box uh for the south alabama and troy game uh tyler was at an event with our other co-host for sports scramble wade uh they went to uh snaps at a podcast a live podcast at uh walk on in baton rouge and they had a great time there talking to those guys and, and kicking it back and uh while i was uh slowly making my way uh to learning the ropes uh inside of the press box at South Alabama. So we had a good time uh with that and uh I posted some updates, live updates to our sports scramble page. Uh, you guys can go see that over there. And I'll be doing it hopefully in the near future uh, Tyler will be joining me. So uh it, we'll have a good time with that and kind of give you guys some behind the scenes stuff. So if you guys want to go check all that out. You guys can see that over at Facebook at CFB Coast to Coast and on our Twitter page at CFB underscore Coast to Coast. That's CFB underscore Coast the number two Coast. Thank you guys for watching, and we will see you guys next week for our Week 9 recap and to get ready for Week 10 as we've only got four weeks left in the season. It's hard to believe, Tyler. Uh, But we will see you guys next Monday at 3 o'clock for Week 10. Dinner.